Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I'm Kyle Chambers with Texas Quality Assurance, and we are continuing in this not-so-many mini-series where my goal here is to share the secret sauce for consultation. So this is really kind of what we have learned over the past 10 years, what works, what doesn't work, what the best ways to go about doing it. And I want to make sure that's available to you because I think I recognize the majority of the folks that are listening to this you're trying to build and implement these systems in your shop for your people. So let's talk about some easy ways to do this. So, you know, if you're just now tuning in, because we did go a while where we didn't record a lot of these podcasts. And so we're really trying hard to, to pick back up on it. Hang on. I need to make certain. Sorry. Ooh, for a second there, I thought I had the wrong mic turned on. and wasn't actually recording any audio. So sorry about that. But hey, I don't like to edit these things either. I kind of want it to be just live, raw, whatever it is. So we do pre-record them, but I try not to, to edit these things much. In any case, <clears throat> if you're tuning in, you hadn't checked out some of the past episodes, some of the recent episodes we've been talking about, you know, what that initial gap assessment looks like. Gap assessment, super important. The goal, and you can go back and listen to it for more, but the goal is that we identify what the company does, not how they should be doing things. It's really more of what an audit is. An audit is there to identify, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing, what you say you're going to do? The gap assessment is really, what are you doing? It, you may or may not already be compliant to the standard. I don't know until I'll take a look. So the topic we're talking about today is going to be looking at our vendors, our suppliers, our external providers. There's a thousand ways that you can name these. For Texas Quality Assurance, we call it something a little bit different. Um, when we work with other consultants or providers, we call them industrial solutions partners. It's effectively, these are our suppliers. These are the folks we go to when we need services we can't provide directly. So kind of, I guess, a shout out to one of them. So one of them is RSB Environmental. So anytime that we do environmental uh, consultation for folks, let me tell you, I don't personally enjoy, nor am I the best, at identifying the legal requirements for a company. So we contract them to help us identify what are those legal requirements that these folks are looking at, what permits and practices need to be in place for them to, uh, to be successful. So everyone's got suppliers. Now, when we're talking about suppliers, we're talking about ISO. We, we've really got to make certain that here that we're talking about our approved suppliers. So you've probably heard the terms AVL, ASL, approved vendor list, approved supplier list. <clears throat> of course, the 2015 edition of the ISO 9001 standard calls them externally providers, external providers. So they provide, you know, external products or services. All right. It's someone that's not an employee that we utilize. This could be your 1099 vendor, your 1099 contractors, could be all sorts of things. Well, inevitably, <clears throat> first thing that happens with most of these consultation projects is we, we ask, do you have a list of your approved vendors? And, you know, I, I try not to ask that in too leading of a way, but it's like, you know, I want to see what they've got. 
And the majority of the time, it's just an export from their financial system, which is good. Hey, we're, we're tracking who we're purchasing from. We're trying to keep some controls in place. Fantastic. Never make anyone feel bad if that's all they've got. Because um, there have been shops we've worked with where they didn't even have that. They just wait on the invoice to show up and then make the determination how to handle it. <clears throat> so not everyone on that vendor list, though, matters. And this is something I think we all inherently know we're really afraid to get that chopping block out. Now, a lot of folks too have uh, definitions that make no sense. And we feel like we have to do this because uh, ultimately some consultant told them they had to, unless the specific management system you're going after certification to has some really specific clauses and requirements in there. What I'm about to tell you now is going to work 95, 98% of the time. Small tweaks and variations, but that's very different to make a tweak or a variation or an improvement as opposed to completely put a different system in place. So when it comes to suppliers, for most shops, there's ex exceptions out there, but for most shops, we tend to have a pretty good bead on how well our suppliers are doing without a scorecard. Realistically, we, we know if they're late regularly. We know if the product's good regularly. We know if they do good work regularly. You get into some larger organizations, it's hard to keep up with. But generally speaking, we kind of know. So I'm going to operate from that standpoint that we actually have a bit of a relationship with them. We work with them. We're paying them. They want us to pay them. Life's good. All right. So if we work off that as kind of a, the, the basis, then, then we can have a little bit more of a fun conversation. <clears throat> Second thing is, do we even need to approve them? I mean, it sounds like a dumb question, but really, do we even need to approve them? And this is where the definitions thing comes in. So what I have heard too many folks do before is they'll have a critical supplier. They'll have key suppliers. They'll have direct material suppliers. They'll have services suppliers. They'll have special process suppliers. They'll have, I've even had someone identify someone as a key supplier and a critical supplier and a super critical supplier. I'm kind of scratching my head and like, okay, cool. They're super critical for your business. Awesome. We've identified that. These folks go under. They have issues, major impact on your business. Cool. The next question is, and this is the question you have to ask yourself, how do we treat our supplier differently if we categorize them differently? Most of the time, there's not an answer. Or people will start scrounging for how can we treat them differently? But no one ever stopped to ask the question, should we treat them differently? I can't answer that for you, but I can give you some information that'll help you make a good decision, which is ultimately what has to happen. Um, I'd say that's probably the single point that most consultants go wrong on is they either put too much emphasis on you decide what's good for you or they don't put enough there. So you got to decide what works for you, but I'm going to give you tools you need for it. <clears throat> I prefer to categorize suppliers as only one of three ways and really kind of only one of two ways. Either they are critical to our management system. So if we're talking about quality, then, you know, this can be our direct material suppliers. This is going to be our special process suppliers, which I'll define for you. If, on the other hand, this is safety, then maybe it's a different set of suppliers. Maybe this is the guy that comes in and does our safety trainings once a month, once a quarter for us. 
maybe this is the guy that does our forklift certification uh, class for us. Maybe this is the safety council we're going to. Maybe this is the place I go to for uh, pre-employment or post-incident uh, drug screening. Maybe this is where I buy my PBE from. Again, it's all going to kind of change a little bit, but we've still got our providers. Same thing's true on the environmental side. Same thing will be true if we're going for 27001 for information you know, security. Like We're all going to have those suppliers that directly impact whatever the product is. Now, again, the product for quality is the product, right? It's it's whatever the, the widget you make is. On the other hand, if it's safety, your product is your employee's safety. If it's environmental, well, then your product is how well you care for your immediate surroundings and environment as a whole. Same thing, information security, the data that's housed on your services. How is it protected? That is your product that you are delivering. So we just got to change that, you know, that lens we look through a little bit. So is it a direct material? Okay. Direct material for the IT side would be actually kind of the, the device that I bring. You have a bring your own device policy. Um, or is it service someone provides? Now, that's if you can answer yes to either one of those, that that service has a direct impact on the quality, <clears throat> that product has direct impact on the quality, then we need to approve them. If, on the other hand, it is not direct impact, then, well, how removed is it? And if you're kind of really having to scratch your head, the answer is probably we don't need them on the ASL, AVL, whichever one we call it. We call it ASL, um, our QMS software, TQA Cloud. We call it ASL in there. Now, again, can you call it something different? Sure. It is what our software calls it, but, hey, you know, it works. Um, so let's talk about what some exclusions to this might be. Now, if I am, say, a, a weld shop, a fabrication shop, maybe, uh, you know, something like that, uh, exterminator, you know, granted, Houston, you want to keep the skeeters away, you want to keep the bugs away, there's no shortage of bugs going around. But I don't think I've ever actually run into an instance of a nonconformity from an ant or a mosquito getting into the weld and causing some issues. So maybe the exterminator, super useful. Maybe you really don't want a bunch of bugs crawling around because, again, you, especially some of the Houston areas, like, you know, just bugs everywhere. But I don't think it's really affecting your product quality. On the other hand, if you're a medical device manufacturer or you've got a clean room in your operations, or maybe you've got like some laminating operations going on to where you have no chance of rework, the exterminator might actually be um, be on your ASL. So you kind of got to make your own decision and justification there, but that's a little bit of the food for thought for it. Um, so that's really to identify who even needs to be on the ASL. It's not going to be your sum total of all of your vendors. Also, avoid putting big box stores on there. Now, I know we all love folks like, uh, you know, especially in the industrial world, we all love Granger. We hate Granger too because they tend to be, not always, tend to be expensive on things, but my gosh, it's so awesome. You can find anything you want. Um, Lord knows in my previous job, granted, this was over 10 years ago since I had to deal with this very much, but, um, I'd find stuff on Granger. I'd send it over to purchasing to purchase because I was safety manager. So I get like a, you know, a bunch of PPE signs, stuff like that from them. And purchasing would send it back and say, you need to source this elsewhere. We're not paying that much for it. It's like, ah, bummer. I want to go to one place to get everything. In any case, we want to avoid the big box stores, especially ones like Amazon or Walmart as well, because it, the sky's the limit on what you can purchase there. So we're not just approving that store for purchase of anything. 
we're approving them for specific purchases. Now, nine times out of 10, it's going to be pretty obvious what they're approved for. Let's say that this is an NDT provider and all they do is liquid penetrant. It's, you know, we, we kind of know what they're approved for. Other instances, it's not the case. So I'll give you an example from a few years back. I had a client um, that had uh, to use Walmart and they put Walmart on their approved vendor list. I'm kind of scratching my head like, man, the house. How are you approving Walmart? And, and these folks made, a, you know, computer, different types of computer equipment. And I'm like, well, how are you putting Walmart in your AVL? They said, oh, it's just for one component. I'm like, oh, gosh, you guys, you did it right. And so what it was is they had this uh, like 80 millimeter fan. I can't remember how big it was, but, you know, a big PC fan. And those PC fans can get pretty pricey. And so they found that Walmart was selling it really cheap. They had brought that PC fan in. They had done all of the appropriate tests on it. They had run it for so many hours. They'd done startup shutdown sequences on it. And like they proved this PC fan that we're buying dirt cheap from Walmart is actually pretty good and is a fraction of the price of what we can buy at a specialty parts store. So, hey, we're saving money on every single build by putting this fan in there fantastic so they put walmart on the avl asl whatever you want to call it and they listed the little condition here they are approved for purchase of this fan ah, okay now once you realize you can make that exception well now you can start to make a whole lot of others again i always say we start with the rule and then make exceptions if you make a rule based on all of the exceptions which is human nature to do Oh, you wind up with these squirrely systems, not just squirrely systems, but you know what I'm talking about. These squirrely systems, overly complicated. You got a thousand check boxes and approvals and if thens and what else is. And oh, my gosh, you just want to pull your hair. And I'm like, I just want to buy something. We don't want your people to have that frustration because I'll tell you what will happen if you make your approved uh, vendor selection and approval process, your purchasing process too complicated. Folks going to whip out that personal debit card, that personal credit card. They're going to buy whatever they need and expense it. That's it. That's what happens. Yes, you can fight that battle, but you've not solved the problem. You've only solved a symptom of the problem. So let's solve the problem. We want it to be easy for people to make the purchases they need to make to provide the goods and services your company provides. Keep that in mind. All right. So we've gone through and we've identified all of our suppliers and we're going to start knocking off ones that we call commodity. Commodity might mean someone that I buy my paper from, right? The, so the printer paper, unless you're like a marketing or a print company, I really don't care where you buy your paper from. I get bad paper that jams and printers can be horrible, absolutely horrible. I was an IT guy for a while. Believe me, I was real particular about the paper that people couldn't put could and couldn't put in some of our expensive printers. But that was just critical to me and to my job as an IT guy, not necessarily critical to the product we provided to our customers. So who cares? It's my IT rule had nothing to do with our ISO certification. All right. So some other folks that aren't going to account are going to be like your sales and marketing folks. Um, sales and marketing folks, very valuable. I mean, yeah. Business isn't going to function well without them, but are they necessarily within that scope of that management system? So unless you've just got real particular need to put them on the ASL, don't let your business run the way it needs to run. Um, ISO is not here or API or any of the other ones are not here to run your business. They're here to help make sure you run your business 
in a structured, orderly way. All right. So what about the folks that should be in there? That's going to be the folks that provide direct materials. So this is going to be your sheet metal. This is going to be your weld wire. This is going to be, you know, the folks you buy uh, you know, lumber from, wiring, whatever electrical components you've got. That's what it's going to be. Um, maybe it's even you're purchasing a fully tested pressure vessel. Definitely someone to put on your AVL. But what about the folks that do, say, calibration of your equipment? Well, that that's a bad calibration. That pretty directly impacts my product quality. So we're going to count them in there. Same thing with folks that do any outside inspection work for us. Maybe it's someone that doesn't install for us. Maybe even um, the company that does uh, your, your freight for you. While that is not as directly related to the product, if we're continually winding up with late shipments, er, it's a real bad issue for customer quality because nine times out of 10, we count some version, maybe not nine times out of 10, four out of five, we count some version of on-time delivery to show customer satisfaction, to show that we're, we're monitoring that process. So you may even want to uh, count the folks that uh, use for freight and shipping, especially if you do hotshot orders. Now, another exception you'll run into is Kyle, we need to use these folks one time because we're in a pinch and we'll probably never use them again. I've seen folks handle this in a couple of ways, provided your procedure for this process covers it. You can do it this way. Again, it, minor exceptions, depending on the, the individual standard you're working with. But you need a couple of things. Again, make sure it's written in your procedure. You're allowed to do it. You can do a one-time purchase authorization. So you've got whoever the manager is, the supervisor, it's wanting to use this company for a one-time deal. Cool. You just fill out a quick form. We're using these folks for a one-time purchase. Here's all their basic information. Hand that off to accounting or however it works in your, your team. And cool. We're using them one time. Not again. We're not going to add them to the ASL. We're not going to keep up with them forever. But we're author We're making it known that we are breaking our own rule and we're doing it in a structured and ordered manner. Okay, that works. I've had another shop that did something very similar, but they would create a non-conformance report. And that non-conformance report had a supplier defect code and a little sub-tier defect code for supplier not issued. And then what they could do is then at the end of the year, they could run a report to see how many times did we purchase a supplier that wasn't on the ASL. Okay, cool. And then you can make sure that you had all of the necessary notifications, sign-offs, and, and such there. But you can do that. Um, another way that I've seen it done is they just go ahead and add them on to the AVL. They list them as, and we'll talk about what these codes are, as conditionally approved. And they leave them as conditionally approved for, say, 90 days. If we use them again within 90 days, we'll look at getting them fully approved. If we're not, then we'll move them back down out of that conditionally approved to a rejected status. Put in the notes, it was a one-time only purchase. Then if we have to purchase from them again in the future, we got a little bit of history there on them and, and we're good. So those are some ways you can do it. So don't assume that because you have exceptions to the rule, it's a bad rule. No, it's a good rule. But if we've got exceptions that we know occur, write those into your procedure and, and have a way to track it and account for it. I'm personally a fan of the non-conformance report method for it because you're saying we did something that was not according to the prescribed way we're going to do it. We're going to document it. That works really well. Now, could this be out of control? 
Absolutely. That's why you document things. So you can prove if it went out of control at a later point in time. But the goal of these management system standards is not to turn our company into a bunch of robots. The job is, of these management system standards is to make sure that we're running our business effectively and in a repeatable manner that we can analyze and audit ourselves. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a whole monitoring measuring of the management system clause to begin with. All right. So that's kind of the basics on ASL, AVL. And the next big question is, well, how do I approve a supplier? And Lord knows I have seen some of the most complicated, convoluted systems out there. Um, you know, we're scoring this supplier on five different categories, and we've got a scale of a one through five for all of them. And they've got to have a certain average at the end for us to approve them. And I'm like, guys, are y'all really? You like? I mean, those are all good ideas. If you could collect all that data and analyze it, I think it's a good idea. But Guys, y'all are a company of 40 people. Who's who's spending six hours, eight hours, 12 hours of research on these folks to, to find out what their purchase history is, to find out, you know, call on all these different references and score them and rate them. And like, who's got the time to do it? And inevitably, oh, we didn't have time to do it. So what'd you do? Well, we just approved them anyways, based off of XYZ. Like, okay, well, let's just start with the XYZ. Let's start there. Let's make a rule there. And maybe in five years time, we can improve to this if there's a value, but we probably won't. And there's probably not a huge value because the, the biggest value oftentimes, again, there's exceptions, I know, comes into play with, are they doing good work for us? Do we want to keep paying them to do this work for us? Or are they creating more hassle, headache, problems, nonconformities than it's worth? That's really what we're trying to decide. This clause in the standard was not written so that we could follow some weird set of rules and have a bunch of forms and checklists. The clause of the standard is there so that we can say we're monitoring who we buy from. We make the decision we're going to purchase from them before we do. So it's not just a whim decision. Well, we'll just try it out and see what happens. Um, and that if they're not performing well, we can follow up on it. Huh. Okay, well, once you realize that's all the standards really want from us, okay, now, now I can kind of work with it. Now I got some ideas. All right. So that supplier approval should be fairly straightforward. We want to know what product services they offer. Cool. Maybe we want some basic information about them, like what's your address? What's your legal name? What's, you know, your, your payment information and terms and so forth. All right. Basic stuff we need to have. Never hurts to ask for a reference. Um. I'll be honest with you, I hardly ever call on a reference, but when someone refuses to give one or has a hard time coming up with one to provide, that's a red flag. That's a real big red flag right there. Uh, so just asking for references in itself sometimes is enough, um, but we don't need much. We're talking about like a one pager, really, maybe two page. Um Anything more than the one or two page of information you're collecting from them, it's going to be like signature lines and a place for internal notes and stuff like that. Um, depending on the products or services you provide, you may also want to make sure that these folks are certified to a certain standard. Um, and so if they are not certified, then the question is, well, what do we do? Maybe they are certified. Maybe they aren't. But you need to decide what do you do for your industry? How important is your supplier being certified important to you? Now, if they're making pressure pressure vessels, 
well, they Daggum better will have their uh, you know, their stamp for it. On the other hand, if they're doing, you know, some simple machining, some hole punching and and bar stock, uh, I don't know. Maybe I care, maybe I don't. But you need to incite it and you document in your procedure for what types of suppliers you really care about certification for and give yourself the uh, out there that management can require stricter controls for one supplier over another for, you know, appropriate reasons. Um but that's really it. And then when you approve them, you make note, hey, they have uh, their 9001 certification. We got to check every year to make sure that they're maintaining it. Simple enough. Then when the end of the year rolls around, and I like to do this personally before management review, again, different companies, different ways you can do it. makes sense. Um, I like to go through the approved supplier list. And I'm going to look for a few things. One, I'm going to look for any non-conformances tagged to them. So if you're utilizing a quality management uh, software like TQA Cloud, or you know, there's plenty of others out there. Um, but if you're using quality management software, man, you really should be able to tag that supplier to a non-conformance. So let's take a look at it and see if we've had any non-conformities from this supplier in the last year. All right. You also want to check, have we even purchased from them? What if you go a year? What if you go two years or three years without purchasing from someone? At what point do you remove them from the, the log? Well, you get to decide that as well. Um, but my first question is when I'm reviewing them is, A, have we purchased from them? And B, have we had any known issues? So if yes, we've purchased from them and no, no nonconformities. And I guess the third one would be if we require certain certification from them to be maintained. If those two, maybe three questions here are answered in a positive manner, that's the review. You just completed your formal review of the supplier. Add some notes in there. Reviewed against requirements in procedure, ABC123. Supplier is reapproved based on continued use, no nonconformities, and active certification. You're done. There's no 10 pages of paperwork. There's... Lord knows, don't ever ask them. Once you've already got a supplier, you send them that questionnaire to fill out. How many times do you ever get that back? Don't make that questionnaire and then resubmit your whole supplier uh, form as your criteria for reapproving them. Use some basic criteria to reapprove them. Now, if we're going through it and you check on their website, oh man, their ISO cert expired three months ago and they've not put the new one up there, then give them a call. Say, hey, we got to reapprove you. But before I can reapprove you, you, you kind of have to give me your ISO cert again. We, we've got to make sure that you're still up to date because it was part of our criteria for approving you in the first place. Oh, no problem. They'll email it over. Life's good. Let's say on the other hand that we have an issue with this supplier. The issue could be um, we've not purchased from them in four years. Yeah, we probably need to keep someone on the ASL that we hadn't purchased from in four years. They may not even be in business anymore. Um all we do then is we change their status to rejected. A supplier is either approved, conditionally approved, or rejected. That's really it. You can have some other variations, but that's that's really it. So we move on to rejected, and we put in the notes. Rejected, no use in four years. Oh, okay, cool. Now, on the other hand, what if this is a supplier who's had a lot of performance issues? Well, we're going to put them on watch. We're going to issue them a corrective action. So we'll open up a corrective action in uh, the software there, and we'll say, hey, customer, you need to complete a corrective action for this. Oftentimes, we call it a SCAR, Supplier Corrective Action Report. It's nothing but your corrective action report that you send to them and say, you fill this out and send it back so we know that you have fixed this issue that you keep running into. 
And then what we do is we change their status because they're no longer approved. They're back to conditionally approved. You're approved, but we're going to watch you. If you mess up, you're out. So when you send them that scar, don't just send it to them. Say, hey, you are receiving this scar for these two, eight, 12, 32 reasons, right? You're receiving a scar because of all these reasons. And you have 30 days to complete the scar, provide us evidence of what you did to fix it in your assurances that we won't have this issue again. Okay. Well, now, if you give them 30 days on that, I say let's go ahead and conditionally approve these folks for 90 days. 30 days to get their uh, plan together and another 60 days to monitor them. If at the end of 90 days, they're still messing up and you're still getting non-conformance reports on them, you're probably going to need to move them to a rejected status. At that point, they either need to be moved to rejected status or management needs to get involved for some sort of negotiation or whatever it may be. But y'all need to come to an agreement on what the terms are here and let's move them over to that rejected status. Now, again, always make a rule based on a rule. An exception to this would be, well, and I have a client right now that has this particular issue and they've got one client or sorry, one supplier that is actually really critical to their business. Um, modification of the component that uh, is sold from this one supplier is actually a big selling point for them. So they can't get rid of the supplier, though that supplier is responsible for probably a third or more of the non-conformances in the company because they just can't get the product there on time or even to the right location, all sorts of issues. And they're like, well, we can't get rid of them. We are contractually obligated to use them for our services. <sighs> well, they're an interesting one and they're definitely going to show up on the management review. So every time there's an issue and NCR is still issued, every time they get so many NCRs in a certain period of time, their own internal rules and their procedure, they issue them a SCAR. I think there's probably been three or four SCARs issued to these folks and they can't get their act together. Well, it's a known issue that is being documented and being monitored and it's going to show up in the management review and we'll have a chance to discuss it in the management review. And so, yes, it's a problem, but it is a problem that is being managed and it's a problem that is well documented. We can work with that. We can live with that when it comes to our management system. And so really, that's it. I mean, that's that's as simple as the process is. How complex your forms are only depends on what you need. When you're filling that form out, just imagine a customer left that section blank or put negative responses in that section of your form for approval. Would it mean that you're going to, oh, gosh, we, we can't use you? We can't. Or would it mean that you're just going to kind of scratch your head and be like, well, crap, we want to use them. How are we going to figure out how to make this work? If that's the answer, you probably don't need that section on the questionnaire. And you probably just need to do a better job reviewing and evaluating the folks. And for that reason, I often encourage an on-site visit, um, especially one with very little uh, notice is, is oftentimes good. But schedule a visit. Go out on site. Check it out. Check their facility. Make sure that you don't see just a mess everywhere and issues going on. And, you know, over here in the break room, people talking about problems with customers and so forth. Just make sure that stuff's not happening. Um, but this doesn't have to be such a complicated process. It can be a lot, lot, lot simpler than most folks make. The One of the reasons it gets so complicated as well is when you Google things online, 
it tends to be the more complicated results that show up first because people to spend a little bit more uh, eyeball time on the complicated solutions. And we feel like the complicated solutions must be the smarter solutions. But in this area, unless you have a specific need that you already knew about before you listen to this, uh, this chat here, you probably don't. It probably needs to be pretty simple. And we want to monitor and make sure these folks are doing good work and continuing to go, do good work. That's really it. Your approved supplier list, your purchasing process just doesn't need to be all that complicated from an upfront standpoint. So make it simple, make a rule, identify what exceptions you run into, and write out a process in your procedure for handling those exceptions. That's it, guys. I hope this is helpful to you. Obviously, what I'm supposed to say at the end of all these things, but it is a good thing to say, is please be sure to like and subscribe. We are really working hard to get a lot of good content out to you guys, um, and it goes a long ways if you can like, subscribe, share this information. The more eyes that see it, the better it gets, and it helps us identify what content you like and appreciate better as well. So if you like it, share it, and uh, we'll make more of it. Y'all take care.